0: Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations.
1: Well, good morning everyone in the United States and the various uh, time uh, regions around the world. My name is uh, Kenard, I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God, a biblical instructional program. Or should I say the regions around the world have different time zones. Uh, Because I know in Canada and the United States, uh, certain parts of it anyway, it's the morning. um, Across from the United States, Uh, in Europe, uh, it's probably the afternoon. But wherever you're at around the world, shalom, peace. If this is the first time you're listening to me, this will certainly be a unique program. Uh, I strictly quote from the Bible. I am certainly seeking people who understand the following in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. It says, Verily I say unto you, except you become converted. Converted means uh, stepho in the Greek. It means the reverse. Uh, Converted really means uh, changing. Realizing that you've been living a life of sin and you desire to be converted over to not living a life of sin. Except you be converted and become as little children. The reason why he's saying little children, because little children are humble and they want to learn in most cases. It says, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 4, so to make sure you understand what he's saying, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest. In the kingdom of heaven. So, I'm looking for people who understand that they have been lied to by a, by a devil. Let's turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 16, to understand this. Jeremiah chapter 16, starting at verse 19. O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles or the nations shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth. Is a prophecy that will be fulfilled in the future and shall say surely our fathers have inherited lies again let me underscore and repeat that surely our fathers have inherited lies vanity and things where there is no profit shall a man make gods unto himself and they are no gods verse 21 of Jeremiah chapter 16 therefore behold I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. This word is uh, the Tetragrammaton. It means Yahweh, or Yehovah. That's the Lord's true name. All right, in its purest form, we don't know exactly how to pronounce it. But I think we're close. Uh, we we have the acronym YHvh or YHwh designate that word. But he did say that people would know his name, and uh, that's a prophecy. And people are getting to know his name as I speak. Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 plainly reveals the following: and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. All the devil and Satan, which deceives or tricks the entire world. That's what your Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, that you and everyone else, including myself, have been tricked by this devil. And so you may think you know something, and you may think it's right. And I guarantee you the odds are there's quite a few things that you currently know right now that are wrong. I'm talking about those who are listening to me for the first time who have been deceived into thinking that the law of Moses is not the law of God and that it's been nailed to the cross. If you you believe that, you certainly have been deceived by this devil. And it states in Revelation chapter 17, verse 2. Well, let me start at verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vows and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Verse 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, spiritual as well as physical, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk, drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so, this, this tells you what the problem is, ladies and gentlemen problem has always been since the sin of Adam or Adam. The fact that the majority of mankind has always been deceived, deceived by this devil. Jeremiah 51 verse 7 says, Babylon, Babylon means confusion in Hebrew. Confusion. Confusion has been given a cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. It's talking about spiritually drunk. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. This is a prophecy. Mad means in Hebrew, halal. And it means that they're foolish. Foolish. And and they're foolish in a way where they're boasting about it. Boasting. Foolishly boasting. That's that's the way it is. People really think they're right about something, they smile and everything, and they couldn't be more wrong. They couldn't be more wrong. And then Revelation chapter eighteen, verse three states plainly, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. That is the system, the beast system, the Babylonian system that the devil has raised up to deceive people, throw them off track. So it says, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication. It's talking about spiritual fornication, certainly. With her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. So this deception, this Babylonian system certainly has a lot to do with money, because the love of money is the root of all evil. That's the way the King James Version translates it, is a root of all evil. Okay, so uh, what I do in this program, I briefly go over world events. And you know what's going on in the Middle East. Let me turn to, or let me type in watch.org, Cohen Nick's website, William Cohen Nick's website, World Watch Daily, Cornick International News. He states here, a headline, Israel, Rejects 24-hour timeout proposal as rocket fire continues. U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry headed back home after Israel rejected his ceasefire proposal and privately castigated his handling of the crisis. A humanitarian truce was unilaterally ended by Hamas on Saturday night when it resumed rocket fire, though Israel has agreed to hold its fire for another 24 hours. So anyway, folks, what did Yeshua say? about prophecy. i like to turn to Matthew chapter 24 because it sums up everything. Uh, verse 3 of Matthew chapter 24, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, that Temple Mount is located on Mount Moriah, or Moriah, the, the disciples or the Talmudine came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And so this is a pivotal uh, statement here in this chapter. They want to know basically when will things go down? Will, when will you come back? And that's a, that's a valid question. Uh, and he doesn't want us um, not having at least an idea of when he's coming back. Uh, he, he certainly, especially those that are living when all these things are, are or could occur, all of them can, can occur. <clears throat> he certainly wants to, to let his servants know when all these things uh, will happen. And of course, we're not going to know precisely when all these things will happen, but despite that, he wants us to know. The Talmudim or the uh, students. That's what Talmudim mean, means in Hebrew, students. All right, so getting back to the King James Version of this, uh, he says, uh, take heed that no man deceive you. Verse 4, that was the first thing that came out of his mouth, take heed that no man deceive you in the context of end-time prophecy. And verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Messiah, and shall deceive many, not the few, many. Verse 6, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars that we have heard in the 20th century and have seen wars, uh, World War I, World War II, we've had the Korean War, we had the Vietnam War, we've had the, uh, the wars in the Middle East with Saddam Hussein, and right now, currently, we have a flare-up here in the Middle East again with Hamas. Uh, he says, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In verse 7, uh, nations should be translated tribe, families for families, or tribes shall rise against families or other tribes and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places around the world. And he says these are the beginning of sorrows. All right, so this is where we're at right now. Uh, obviously, there will be another war happening based on the words of Messiah. We, we have these flare-ups in the Middle East constantly, but eventually we know that something will occur that will cause uh, utter chaos around the world. So we need to be watching and praying that we can escape all these things, ladies and gentlemen. We need need to be doing that. Okay, on the domestic scene, when I mean domestic, I mean in the United States, um, there's a blog that I go to, the Economic Collapse Blog, because that's what the Bible prophesies is going to occur. And I applaud this gentleman for his website. It has a lot of good information on here. I implore and encourage you and uh, I really recommend that you study this website in your spare time. Uh, it's called The Economic Collapse. he uh, says, are you prepared for the coming economic collapse and the next Great Depression? I can tell you right now that most people aren't. And if you are not, and this is the first time you've heard me on this program, and this is the first time you've ever seen this blog, please review it and prepare yourself for catastrophes, even FEMA tells us to prepare for catastrophe so we should be doing that anyway all right uh the menu at the top of the website it talks about gold coins silver coins that's what we should be investing our money in ladies and gentlemen is that not the fake money that we have the paper money the fiat money because it's not money emergency food uh, contact military surplus preppers uh and so forth so Here is one of the headlines on this website. America divided. Everyone knows we have problems, but there is very little agreement on solutions. And he states here, a house divided against itself will surely fall. And so you can read the rest of this. Uh, It says, illegal immigration and gangs. Someday our cities will burn because we didn't protect our borders, which is true. New world disorder. Emerging division between east and west threatens to plunge the globe into chaos says, in general, over the last several decades, the world has experienced an unprecedented era of peace and prosperity. Well, I would totally disagree with that. Uh, I know what he means as far as no wars, but but peace means you have all your needs taken care of. There certainly isn't peace around the world as far as that's concerned. Anyway, uh, the opening up of relations with China and the, I quote, end of the Cold War, end of quote, Resulted in an extended period of cooperation between East and West that was truly unique in the annals of history. But now things are shifting. The Civil War in Ukraine and the crash of MH17 have created an enormous amount of tension between the United States and Russia. And many analysts believe that relations between the two superpowers are now even worse than they were during the end of the Cold War era. In addition, the indictment of five PLA officers for cyber and sharp disagreements over China's territorial claims in the South China Sea, among other issues, have caused U.S. relations with China to dip to their lowest point since at least 1989. So could the emerging division between the East and the West ultimately plunge us into a period of global chaos? And what would that mean for the world economy to find out the rest of, or to read the rest of this article. I implore you to to at the end of this program to uh read the rest of it because I don't have time to to read all of his articles on the website. He has a, here about Obama, 14 reasons Obama is lying when he claims the world is more stable and less violent than ever. Yeah, I have to say either he's lying or he doesn't know what he's talking about because that certainly isn't true. Uh right here, if this keeps up, They will have to start putting armed guards on food trucks. He says the basic necessities in life just keep getting more expensive. Inflation, inflation, inflation. In 20 signs, the epic drought in the western United States is starting to become apocalyptic. Uh, I need to read this. This is very important. Listen up. When scientists start using phrases such as the worst drought and as bad as you can imagine to describe what is going on in the western half of the country, you know that things are bad. Thanks to an epic drought that never seems to end, we are witnessing the beginning of a water crisis that most people never even dreamed was possible in this day and age. The state of California is getting ready to ban people from watering their lawns and washing their cars. But if this drought persists, we will eventually see far more extreme water conservation measures than that. And the fact that nearly half of all the produce in America comes out of the state of California. Let me underscore and repeat that. And the fact that nearly half of all the produce in America comes out of the state of California means that ultimately this drought is going to deeply affect all of us. Food prices have already been rising at an alarming rate, And the longer this drought goes on, the higher they will go. Let us hope and pray that this drought is permanently broken at some point because otherwise we could very well be entering an era of extreme water rationing gigantic dust storms, and crippling food prices. The following are 20 signs that the epic drought in the western half of the United States is starting to become apocalyptic. And a quote just came to my mind from the Bible. Isaiah chapter 3. Let's turn there. Isaiah chapter 3. Verse 1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah. When it's talking about Jerusalem, it's talking about the ten lost tribes who are not lost to me, because geographically, they are the United States, Commonwealth of Nations, the countries in northwestern Europe. This can be easily proven by how he describes who Israel is today. Study Deuteronomy chapter 32. It talks about Jezreel. That's a nickname for Israel. And he says, Jezreel waxed fat. Waxed fat. It's fat. And our people are fat. And it talks about In Deuteronomy chapter 32, how prosperous we are. We have the best resources. Who are the fattest and richest people in the world, folks? Where are they on the map? This is simple, okay? Anyway, verse 2, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, verse 3, the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artist, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them. Meaning that kids will tell their parents what to do. Kids will talk back to their parents. Kids will not respect their parents. Kids won't even listen to their parents. That's what it's talking about. And babes shall rule over them. Verse 5, And the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, and everyone by his neighbor. And the child shall behave himself. I just said this. The, the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. That is going on as I'm speaking. Verse 6, When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this room be un- under thy hand. And that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. And then in verse 1, he says, when he takes away the stay of bread and the stay of water, the ability to take care of yourself. That's what he's doing. And this country if it continues along its path, will be destroyed, ladies and gentlemen. Thus says the Lord. It's in the Bible. Not only this nation, all nations who continue not to obey him. To another category here, people moan and complain about their lives. They wonder why they're not happy. Happiness is, is being content with what you have. And knowing that your needs are taken care of. And because of that, you feel comfortable about what you're doing. The problem with most people is that they worship the, I mean, they don't worship the creator. They worship the creation, what the creator created, instead of the creator himself. They put all their energies into materials instead of, putting their energies on God. And I challenge each and every one that if you put all your energies toward the the physical universe, why can't you switch that around and put all your energies toward God? And people say, well, we can't do this, we can't do that. Well, let's look at Genesis chapter 6. And this program certainly is going to go over the 45 minutes that I have. So if I'm off the air, you can listen to uh, the rest of it in its entirety. More than likely it's going to. um, Because I don't know at times what the royal call Kiddish, or the Holy Spirit, that's the uh, royal call Kiddish, in Hebrew means Holy Spirit. I, I, I just don't know um, from time to time where he's going to lead me. But this is a very important program because people need to know how to really have true happiness. And I know the Lord is leading me to reveal the information to you how to do that out of the Scriptures. So if you really want to know how to be happy, please listen to this program. All right, so Genesis chapter 6. Verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. Verse 2, That the sons of God uh, saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wise of all which they chose. And verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And verse 4, And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, so after the flood there were giants as well, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bear children to them, the same mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Verse 5. Now, this is the scripture I want to get to. I just want to read you the background or the uh, context. Verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, my challenge to you is this. If it's possible for a man or a woman's thoughts all to be evil continually, It has to be possible for all our thoughts to be righteous continually. Think about that. All right, so with that, let's get into this Bible study. Let's get into this Bible study about how to be happy. How to be happy. Okay. Now, what is boredom? Because I've heard this from people telling me, oh, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. All right, well, boredom, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is the state of being weary and restless through lack of interest. All right, so someone is bored when they don't have a lack of interest in in what they're doing. Now, my question to those who I know that go to uh, messianic synagogues or are in the Hebrew Roots Movement or is is trying to obey uh, the Shabbat, the Sabbath, and the Holy Days... Are you bored when you're around God's people? Because if you are bored when you're around God's people, you've got a serious problem with your relationship with God because you should not be bored. I don't care what you're suffering. You know, I, I don't care uh, about any of that. I mean, if, if you are bored around God's people, then you need to have an education on how to be happy. You just don't know. You just don't know how to be happy. Because you have no reason not to be happy, even suffering, as I'm going to show you here. Let me let me quote this scripture here real quick. If you don't think I know what I'm talking about, I'm going to show you here. It says in First Peter three verse fourteen. First Peter three, and this is a scripture for those who are having problems, you know, with being happy because you're suffering. You may not have people around, like for you teenagers, for example, and I, and I understand what you're going through. I really do. I just came back from Camp Yeshua. And uh, I go there every year and I try to help or I do help the kids get closer to Yah and I try to help them realize that uh, Yah is with them or God is with them. Yah is so short for God in Hebrew. And that if they just put him first, he will help them. He will He will make them happy and, and he will provide what they need to be happy. I, I try to preach that message to them. Anyway, first Peter chapter 3 verse 14. It says, but and but and if you suffer for righteousness' sake. If you suffer for righteousness' sake. What is righteousness? Righteousness is keeping the commandments. Psalm 119 verse 172. Please jot that scripture down and memorize it. It is keeping the commandments. It is the commandments. But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, if you suffer keeping the commandments. Happy Are ye, that's a good addition, happy, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. All right, so in in James 5, verse 11, it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. So the Lord is telling you that you will be happy if you endure your sufferings, teenagers and adults. All right. So so you need to understand that. This is a pivotal scripture for you to understand. Because I know a lot of people think, okay, well, I'm suffering, then I'm not happy. That's not what the Bible says. If you suffer for the right reasons, you will be happy. Happy in the Greek. Trying to pull it up here. Uh, It it means um, blessed, possessing the favor of God. That's what it means. You have to be willing to put him first, youth, and also adults. If you don't put him first, you're not going to be happy. It's plain and simple as that. you got to stop whatever is holding you back, computers, women, what, whatever your vice is. A vice is something that you just has overcome you, and you let that control you instead of you controlling it. You've got to take that away, your idols. You've got to get them away. Anyway, Proverbs 14, verse 21. Proverbs 14, verse 21. Proverbs 14, verse 21. Let's turn there. It states the following. He that despises his neighbor sins, but he that has mercy on the poor, compassion. You care about other people. Thinking about their needs. You're not... Bored, because you're thinking about other people's needs. He, But he that had mercy on the poor, happy is he. You're happy when you think about other people, not thinking about yourself and what I want and what I need. You're happy when you're thinking about other people and their needs and their wants. That's when you're really, truly happy. And I've listed, you know, I have a sheet here, and I'm just going to read all these scriptures here quickly. And uh, you can rewind this back or listen to it in the archives, or jot down the scriptures. But there's quite a few scriptures here about being happy, and I'm going to read each and every one of them that is uh, relevant to this program. First Kings chapter 10 to verse 8. First Kings chapter 10 verse 8. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. So he's saying when you hear the Lord's wisdom. You are happy, but if you reject that wisdom, you won't be happy. If you don't want to do your daily Bible study, if you don't want to pray, if you don't want to do any of these things, how in the world are you going to be happy? Second, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 7. Second Chronicles 9, verse 7. Second Chronicles 9, verse 7. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. That's the same verse. Job 5, verse 17, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. That's an amazing scripture, isn't it? <laughs> but the Bible's telling you that you become happy when you allow God to correct you. But if you don't want to study the Bible, if you say, well, that's your opinion, and all this other stuff, when someone's trying to tell you what God is saying in his word, you're not going to be happy. And it says right, and it warns people. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the, of the Almighty, of God. Don't despise the chastening of the Almighty. Psalm 127, verse 5. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. He's talking about children. That makes you happy too, having children. All right? Psalm 128, verse 2. For thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands, happy shalt thou be, and it should be well with thee. He's talking about uh, working, having Work that you like, that makes you happy. Psalm 137, verse 8. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewarded thee as thou hast served us. So the destruction of this Babylonian system, this system of confusion, will make those who are against it happy. That's what it's saying. Psalm 137, verse 9. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Psalm 144, verse 15. Happy is that people that is in such case. Yes, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. And so if you're worshiping the true God, you're going to be happy. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he that had the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord. So folks are listening to me. Your hope has to be in the Lord. Your hope should not be in a computer. Or your hope should not be in anything that takes you away from doing daily Bible study and prayer and occasional fasting. Study Matthew chapter 6. It's very important for you to study that. It shows you how to be happy, how to truly be happy. But if you reject what I'm telling you, are rejecting what the Lord is telling you. Because all I'm doing is quoting scriptures. And if you got a problem with these scriptures, you go argue with Him. All I'm doing is showing you these scriptures. That's my job. Alright, so He made the law, I didn't. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 13, Happy is the man that finds wisdom. If you're not looking for wisdom, you're not going to find it. And the Bible says you you won't be happy. You won't be happy. And the man that gets understanding. Proverbs 3, verse 18, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retains her. So that's the key. You've got to seek God's wisdom. And where do you find God's wisdom? In the Bible. If you don't do that, you will not be happy. It's guaranteed. It's pretty simple. When I talk to people and they're not happy, I ask them, are you Bible study? No. Well, that's it. If you don't Bible study, if you don't pray, if you get upset because people are trying to correct you. And by the way, let me read this scripture to you. You can get mad at God all you want. Don't get mad at me. I'm just quoting the scripture, okay? You get mad at me, you get mad at God, because all I'm doing is quoting the scripture. Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whosoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he that hates reproof or correction is brutish or stupid, okay? So God calls anyone stupid. I'm not calling you stupid, but God is calling you stupid if you don't want to be corrective. You think you know everything, don't want to be told nothing, don't want to listen to your parents, don't want to listen to anybody, and just want to do what you want to do, then God calls you stupid. That's what As it plain and simple as that. So anyway, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 20. He that handle a matter wisely shall find good, and whosoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. You have to trust in God. That's what's going to make you happy, not trust in the materialism of this world. That's not going to make you happy. Proverbs 28, verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth always. That means fear the Lord. How do we fear the Lord, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know? Let's turn to Proverbs 8, verse 13 and find out. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. That's how you fear the Lord. To hate evil. And how do you learn how to hate evil? By studying the Bible every day. That's how you learn. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the Torah, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, happy is he. If you don't keep the Torah, if you don't keep the law of God, you will not be happy. No one will if you don't keep the Torah. So keep the law of God, and you will be happy. Jeremiah chapter 21. Righteous are thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore does the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously with you? Well, you'll know later on in the Bible it says that these people who think they have it all, that think that they're going to continue to be happy being wicked, they will not continue to be happy being wicked. They will be totally destroyed because you can't be happy wicked. You may be happy or content doing wickedness, but it's not going to last, ladies and gentlemen. It's not going to last. You will be totally annihilated, totally annihilated. I'm not even done yet. I'm trying to quote some other scriptures here. Romans 14, verse 23. Has thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. James 5, verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You're happy if you endure. If you endure, if you put up with all the inconvenience of keeping God's commandments at times. And it's only inconvenient because uh, people in the world don't do it. So it's a struggle. But God is with you with that struggle. And he'll... He'll uh, come to you, uh, James 5, verse 11. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Again, let me quote First Peter 3, verse 14. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. First Peter 4, verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Messiah, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just hope I, I've quoted some, some scriptures here for you to really meditate on about how to be happy. Pretty simple. Keep the Torah, Keep the commandments and doctrines and teachings of God. If you do that, you will ultimately be happy. If you run away from it, If you think whatever you're doing is more important than that, if you don't feel inspired being around God's people, uh, if you're bored, then you are thinking like the devil. I just got to tell you right now, you're thinking like the devil because the devil does not think about God uh, as far as his righteousness. Uh, he, He doesn't care about God, and he's ultimately bored. Okay, so he wants you to have his attitude. But you've got to not allow him to, to broadcast his character in your mind. You've got to prevent that. And the only way to do that is to focus. Focus on keeping his law. That's the only way it's going to happen. There's no other way. You can think about, you can try to say, hey, I have a better way. There's no better way. Your creator knows a better way. Psalm chapter one. Let me read this entire psalm because it's important. Bless. You know what that word means in Hebrew? Happy. Happy is the man that walks not in the counsel of the godly or ungodly rather. Okay. Counsel means in Hebrew astal. It means to get advice from the ungodly. If you're chatting with people that's in the world and getting advice from them. You're not going to be blessed because a lot of times when you're chatting with people or you're talking to people, or it is on a computer outside that's in the world, they're going to give you advice that's not right because they don't keep the tour. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Verse two, but his delight, his delight, his pleasure, his desire, that's where your desire should be at. It shouldn't be, uh, you know, a lot of youth, they have addictions when it comes to iPhones and, and all these uh, all this technology. They, they have a delight more in that than the Torah, and that's why they're not happy. But his delight is in the law, the Torah of the Lord, and in this law does he meditate day and night. They meditate day and night on PCs and how many people they're going to talk to and, and the games they want to play, but they don't want to meditate. And think about the Torah or the law of God. But his delight is in the Torah of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And if you do that, this is what's going to happen. Verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season at the right time. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Verse 4, However, the dichotomy here. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Verse 5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. They will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Which means you should be attending services and you should be enjoying it. Okay? For the Lord knoweth the way of the halakha. Of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so will the ungodly. So this is a serious message, ladies and gentlemen. I have to raise my voice. The Bible says I have to cry out loud. And people tell me that I shouldn't. They don't know what the crap they're talking about. And I'm going to have to use that word because it's an appropriate word. Because it is garbage. Isaiah 58 verse 1. Cry Cry aloud. Fear not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. And people say, well, you're not perfect. <laughs> How come you telling me? <laughs> All right, Ecclesiastes, let turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. This is what your Bible says. For there is not a just man upon the earth that does good and sins not. So it's your God that uses just men like myself who do sin occasionally to correct you. If you have a problem with that, you go talk to him about it and see where you're going to get. And see where you're going to go with that, trying to argue with him. I don't have to be perfect to correct you. You don't have to be perfect to correct me. Burn that through your brain. All right. All I need to do is quote scriptures correctly. My authority and your authority is the Bible. And if either one of us are quoting those scriptures, that authority is, bo- is above both of us. That's how we correct one another, not using our own opinions of what we feel or what we think. We correct each other by using the scriptures. That's how we correct each other. I hope you understand that. All right. And so... Um, In about two minutes and 34 seconds, I'm going to be off the air, but I'm going to continue this program because I need to talk to, I need to not talk, but, well, I'm going to talk, but I need to present other information about how to be happy because I think this is going to be a very important program, and I hope that this program is uh, passed over the Internet to the over 2 billion people worldwide because people really need to know how to be happy because most people certainly don't know how to be happy. And so this is an important program, and I'm going to continue on, though. And uh, please listen to the entirety of this program uh, when I'm off the air in about 52 seconds, and it's probably going to take at least another 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And uh, after it's done, I'm I'm estimating that uh, it should be ready for you to listen to around 1130 or 12 o'clock in the archives. the the rest of it so what i would do if you've already listened to it up to this point you just uh, take your mouse and just move the bar all the way down to um the extension of the 45 minutes and you'll be able to listen to the rest of the program in in its entirety all right so i quoted proverbs 14 verse 21 one of the ways to become happy is to care about other people and, and think about their needs Another way to, to be happy, let's, let's turn, because joy is certainly, um, has something to do with being happy. Uh, let's turn to Proverbs. Proverbs. I mean, Psalm, rather. Psalm 48, verse 1 to 2. Psalm 48, verse 1 to 2. A song and psalm for the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of his holiness. Verse 2, rather beautiful for situation the joy of the whole earth is mount zion the size of the north the city of our great king so part of being happy too is learning all you can about the temple about jerusalem folks that's another way that you can be happy and if you're not doing that then well how do you expect to be happy uh back to giving to the poor uh, about 14 seconds 13 seconds I'm going to go off the air here, but uh, I'm going to continue this program, and you should be able to listen to it it in the archives around 12 o'clock. Shalom. Peace. Okay. Um, I'm in the recording stage of this program now. Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. Let's turn there. Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness. That's how we break off our sins, folks, by keeping the commandments and thy iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor. And so you how do you break off your sins? By doing the right thing, by keeping the commandments and also by showing mercy to the poor. All right, that's how we do it. Daniel 4, verse 27 reveals that. Now, 1 John, 1 John, let's turn to 1 John chapter 1 beginning of verse 1 that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our own eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life verse 2 for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested unto us verse 3 that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua Messiah. Verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now, how will our joy be full? Let's go back to verse 3. That w- which we have seen and heard and declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. So fellowship it, it has something to do with, with joy being, your joy being full fellowship with god's people and truly our fellowship is with the father and with the son yeshua messiah so when you fellowship with Yah's people, or god's people you're fellowshipping with the father and with his son verse four and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full so if jo- you want your joy to be full seek the fellowship with other believers verse five this then is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 6, in 1 John 1, verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. So you, here you are, going to services, and, and you're sitting down, and you're bored, and all this other stuff, right? Uh, that's not showing that you have light in you, acting that way, first of all. And, And he's saying if we have fellowship and you walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And you have to do the truth. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142 is keeping the doctrines, commandments, and instructions and teachings of God. Psalm 119, verse 142. That's the truth. And then John 17, verse 17. Thy word is truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And so you're truly having fellowship if you're walking in the light, if you're not bored, uh, if you truly are interested in other people, if you're studying the Bible every day, the, despite the fact that it may not be people around your age to, uh, to fellowship with and all this other stuff. That, that's the biggest problem teenagers having is moving. I know that. But the way to overcome that is to study the Bible every day, to pray every day, to fast occasionally. Matthew chapter 6, please study that chapter. It's the key to overcoming that. And if you do all those things, God will provide people your age to fellowship with. But you've got to put him first. You've got to prove to him that you're willing to suffer for him to do or give you your desire. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another And this is what happens. This is another reason why we need to fellowship with one another. And the blood of Yeshua Messiah, his son, cleanses from all sin. Now, I know that the the kids from the camp Yeshua that I went to, a lot of them, they don't have other youth their age to fellowship with. I understand that. But here's the solution, folks, Uh, you young young folks. Here's the solution. Number one, uh, if distance is a problem, you need to Skype with one another. You need to pick up the phone and talk to each other continuously, support one another, pray for one another. And you should try to visit one another as well. And most of all, you need to be praying that God would send other youth in your community that you can fellowship. with. Well, you should be praying for each other. And if you do that, this is what's going to happen. The blood of Yeshua Messiah's Son will cleanse you from all sin by doing that. You have to do this together. It can't be by yourself. By yourself. Uh, 2 John. 2 John. Chapter 1, verse 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face. And why is the Apostle John saying that he wants to speak face to face? That our joy may be full. And people try to tell me that we shouldn't be fellowshipping on Shabbat, they don't know what the crap... I mean, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. They really don't. That's how we become happy when we fellowship with each other, because when we fellowship with each other, we're fellowshipping with the Father and the Son spiritually. That's how you become truly happy. That's how you become truly happy, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's, that's the way it's going to... Uh, that's the way it's going to uh, produce... A result is going to result in happiness. That's what I'm trying to say. All right? And the Bible talks about you're happy when you seek the wisdom of God. Now, let me turn to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What's the fear of the Lord, to hate evil? A good understanding have all they that do, and this is a good addition, his commandments, his praise endure forever. And so this wisdom, you have to do what the wisdom says. And it says you have a good understanding when you do that. Proverbs 16, verse 16. Proverbs 16, verse 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? And many and see here. here let me stop and let me do a little uh, midrash with this, or a little detailed explanation with this scripture. Proverbs sixteen verse sixteen it says, "How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather than chosen silver?" If you're forsaking Bible study, and you know. <laughs> You're sick, and you go to your job, but yet you're sick, and you want to stay home on Shabbat. If you are well enough to, to work, you're certainly well enough to go to Shabbat services, all right? And and this scripture states plainly, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than to be chosen silver? How do we get gold and silver in this world? How do we get money? We work, Right. But the Bible says it's much better to get wisdom. You get the wisdom of God or should be getting the wisdom of God when you attend Shabbat services. So that's even more important than getting money. So I just wanted to point that out. Proverbs 16, verse 16. Proverbs 6, verse 23. Proverbs 6, verse 23. It says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. It, that, the Torah is light. That's the light you should be Exhibiting. You can't fellowship with Yah's people and, and you, you don't Bible study. <laughs> I mean, you're not having a light. So the Torah is described as a light, and the commandment is a lamp, or the mitzvah is a lamp. And reproofs of instruction are the way of halakha of life. Remember that. It's a key scripture to remember and memorize. And so, and so, let's let's understand a very vital point. And let me just summarize this so far, what we're learning here. To be happy, the number one thing that you need to do to be happy is to keep the Torah. You must keep the instructions and doctrines of God if you expect to be happy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's just a given. And when you think and be happy by being wicked then you, you just don't seem to understand that uh God will do the following here a scripture just popped in my mind here I was waiting for it to pop in my mind here uh, I think it's psalm seventy two psalm seventy two you need to understand it's about the wicked Psalm 72, or is it Psalm 73? I'm sorry, Psalm 73. Here we go. Psalm 73, verse 1. A psalm of Aesop. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart or mind. Verse 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well near slipped. For I was envious at the foolish. And see, this is the problem of quite a few people. They get mad or envious of people because of their riches, uh, of the gold and silver that they have, or the money that they have. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Verse 6. Therefore pride compassed them about as a chain, violence covered them as a garment. Verse 7. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. Verse 8, they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Verse 10, therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out of them. Verse 11, and they say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? And see, that that is being totally arrogant toward your creator. This is how many people, this is what their attitude is. They they. They put their finger toward God and literally, spiritually, spit in his face. Verse 12, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in intimacy. In Verse 14, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I would speak thus, behold, I should offend the generation of thy children. Verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into the destruction. So let, let me underscore this. In, in verse 18, it says, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. Verse nineteen: How are they brought into desolation in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors, as a dream when one awaketh. O Lord, when thou wakest, thou thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my in my reins. Verse twenty-two: So foolish was I and ignorant, I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee; thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward, receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth I desire beside thee. Now, this, this is telling him, telling each and every one of us, and telling him, of course, So David was saying that, hey, hey, you are my greatest desire, and, and God should be our greatest desire. Verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 20, for lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. So that means that people that refuse to to want to do Bible study on a consistent basis, don't want to pray, don't want to have anything to do with God, don't want to fellowship, uh, you won't be alive. That's what it's saying here. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. That's how you become far from God when you do wickedness and don't want to obey him. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. Verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. And so that's very important, ladies and gentlemen, to understand that. Almost done here. Um, So let's understand the process of cleansing. um, Because that's very important in reference to, to being happy. Uh, Let's turn to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, John chapter 13, and I'm going to jot down here, uh, this was the the Last Supper, John 13, verse 4, but it's it's a a significant event happened here that I'm going to go over. John 13, verse 4. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. This is talking about the Messiah. Yeshua, or Jesus, his English name, or Joshua. 13, verse 5. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherein he was girded. Verse 6. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Kepha, or Kepha, his Hebrew name. Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Now, feet symbolizes the way you walk, right? Your are Halakha. Verse 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt hear after. In verse 8 of John 13, Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, him, If I don't wash thee, thou hast no part with me. Now, to understand this in a spiritual way, if you don't allow the Lord to change the way you walk, you won't have a part with him. <laughs> and feet, of course, is symbolic of walking, right? Verse 9. Simon Peter, because you can't walk without your feet, right? Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In verse 10, Jesus said unto him, He that is washed, needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whiff. And you are clean, but not all. They were walking the walk because they were following him, but not all was walking the walk. And you know who he was referring to, Judas. Verse 11, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore said he, you, you are not all clean. In other words, they're not walking. They're not emulating our ultimate example, Yeshua. The worldly churches aren't emulating. They're, they're not taught to to keep the commandments like Yeshua. They're not taught to Im, uh, to imitate him as the Bible commands us to. They're taught that the law is done away with. So they're not all clean. Their, their walk is not clean. Their halakha is not clean. That's what halakha means, their walk. Verse 12, so after he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. And verse 13, you call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. That's what I am. Verse 14, if I then, Lord and Master, have washed your feet, You also ought to wash one another's feet, care about one another, correct one another, make sure each and every one of you are walking the Lord's walk. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verse 16, verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, Happy are you if you do them. Happy are you if you do them. If you correct each other. If you walk. Yeshua's walk. And if you do that, you are cleansing your walk. Your walk from... Your walk that is contrary to his walk. Exodus chapter 30. Well, before I quote that, you must understand that we are priests. God says that his bride... His betrothed bride, which is the, the church, the assembly right now, our, our priests. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, he says, And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Well, First, let me read verse 5 of Revelation chapter 1. And from Yeshua Messiah, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And verse 6, and have made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right. So we are king's priests. I just wanted to point that out. We're not of the Aaron priesthood, but we are of the Melchizedek, or Melchizedek priesthood. Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. Or Melchizedek. Exodus chapter 30, beginning in verse 19. It says, For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet therein, verse 20, when they go into the tabernacle of the assembly, they shall wash with water that they die not, or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, or Yahweh, or Yehovah, or Yehovah. Verse 21. So they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not, and it shall be a statue forever to them, to him, and to his seed throughout their generation. So this is similar to what Messiah was talking about here, uh, that priests. And we are king priests, and should, we should be washing our feet. We should do it uh, like this, uh, symbolic of making sure that we're washing our way that's contrary to the, word, uh, to the word of God, to God's ways. All right, Matthew chapter 6. And if we do those things, we, we are truly happy. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read this entire chapter because it's very important. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men. Let me see if I, I'll, I'll read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. I think it's pretty clear here.
0: Yeah, actually I'll read in the scriptures version. Let's see.
1: Okay. Let me go back to the other version here. I'll read this in the Scriptures version. Uh, it's like the King James Version, but they put Hebrew words in it to bring out the Jewish meaning, uh, the Hebraic meaning. Matthew 6, verse 1, beware of doing, and this is in the Scriptures version, which you can get free online, the 1998 Scriptures version. You can get it on eSort. If you want to know how to do that, email me at Kennard at com. Matthew 6, verse 1, beware of doing your kind deeds before men. That means tzedakah in Hebrew in order to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in the heavens. So you shouldn't want to do something just to be seen. That's just phony to God. Verse 2, thus, when you do a kind deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the congregations and in the streets to be praised by men. Truly, I say to you, they shall have their reward. And, you know, all these things I'm mentioning to you, that the Lord is mentioning you in Matthew chapter 6, will make you happy, folks. It really, truly. And this is a summary of what we should be doing on a consistent basis. Matthew chapter 6 is Verse 3 And when you do a kind deed Do not let your left hand know What your right hand is doing Verse 4 So that your kind deed Shall be in secret And your father who sees in secret Shall reward shall himself reward you openly Verse 5 And when you pray You shall not be like the hypocrites For they love to pray Standing in the congregations And on the corners of the streets To be seen by men Truly I say to you They have their reward Verse 6 But you when you pray Go into your room and having shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. Verse seven. And when praying, do not keep on babbling like the, the Gentiles or the, or the other nations or those who aren't, who don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and don't keep the Torah. For they think that they shall be heard for their many words. So it's not the, that's not the words, the many words that count. It's what you're praying about and how you're praying. Verse eight. Therefore, do not Be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask of him. Verse 9. This, then, is the way you should pray. Our Father who is in the heavens, let your name be set apart. Let your reign come. Let your desire be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into trial, but deliver us from the wicked one, because yours is the reign and the power and the esteem forever. Amen. So that's how we should pray. That's an outline of how we should pray. Uh, To go over this again, uh, we should pray that his name be set apart and that his kingdom comes and that his desire should be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We should be praying for our daily bread. Uh, We should be praying that God gives us substance on a daily basis. And we should also, if we have any debts, (laughs) we should ask uh, that... uh, those debts are forgiven, and we shouldn't even old man, we shouldn't be owing anybody anything anyway, and Romans 13, verse 8 proves that, and we should forgive those who are our debtors. In verse 13, and and we should be praying that God does not lead us into temptation or trial, and we should also be praying that he delivers us from the wicked one. of Matthew chapter 6, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father shall also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither shall your father forgive your trespasses. So that's a pretty blunt statement, but true. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that they appear to be fasting to men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to, be, do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. Now, hold your place here. I want to turn to Isaiah. It gives us a little more detail about fasting. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58 states the following. And when you fast, this is what's going to happen when you fast the right way. In verse 6, of Isaiah chapter 58. Is this this not the facet I've chosen to loosen the tight cords of wrongness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to exempt the oppressed, and to break off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring to your house? Doing all this will bring joy to you. Uh, To bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked and cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh or your own family, verse 8. Then your light, what's the light, the Torah, right? Would break forth or, or doing your halakha by uh, obeying the Torah right? Then your light would break forth Like the morning Your healing spring forth speedily And your righteousness shall go before you The esteem of Yah will be your real guard Verse 9 Then when you call I will answer When you cry he will say here I am If you take away the yoke from your midst The pointing of the finger And the speaking of unrighteousness Verse 10 If you extend your being to the hungry And satisfy the afflicted being Then your light shall, shall dawn in the darkness And your darkness be as noon then Yah will guide you continually and satisfy you being in drought, and strengthen your bones, and you shall be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell with. So that's what fasting does ultimately. It will ultimately bring you joy. That's why he says don't sadden your faces. Because when you do it the right way, it will bring joy because you will stimulate and motivate yourself to to want to care about other people. All right. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 for you where your treasure is that's where your heart will be at. That's right. <laughs> where wherever you spend your money on that's where that's that's your desire. And if you find yourself spending more money on materialism than things that are of of a godly nature then you have some serious issues. Now I'm going to read this in the uh complete Jewish Bible version because to understand the Bible fully you have to understand the Jewish people and the Jewish people have certain idioms, idioms or slang words. And talking about your, your eye is evil, the evil eye, that means being stingy. So I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version so you understand. Matthew 6 verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body so if you have a good eye, that is if you are generous, your whole body will be full of light. And this is a key verse to understand. If you, If your eye is good, and he- Hebraically, that means if you if your eye is good, that means you're not stingy. You're generous. It says that your whole body will be full of light, the light of the Spirit, the Torah, the living Torah, the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, but if you have an evil eye, if you're stingy or, you know, uh, if, if you just don't want to give, um, having a tight, wide attitude, uh, just looking for ways not to want to spend money. I mean, you overdo it. I mean... People should have an attitude of discipline when it comes to money. You shouldn't be spending money that you don't have to, but it shouldn't be to the point of where you just are looking for reasons not to give. you know it shouldn't be that way, and that's what it's talking about. uh your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light in you is in, if then the light is i'm sorry if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness all right now I'll continue to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 24, no one can be a slave to two masters, for he will, neither, he will either hate the first and love the second or scorn the second and be loyal to the first. You can't be a slave to both God and money. And so you have to choose one or the other. Either you're going to devote your life to God or you're going to devote your, your life to just generating money and, and, and materialism. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is a life more than food and a body more than clothing. So he's telling you, isn't life more important even than food? Clothing. So your body and your life is more important than food and clothing. And yet we feel that food and clothing is more important in our lives at times. Verse 26. Look at the birds flying about of Matthew chapter 6. They neither plant nor harvest, nor do they gather food into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? That's a good point there. Verse 27. Verse 27. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? Verse 28, and why be anxious about clothing? Think about the fields of the wild irises and how they grow. They neither work nor spend thread. Let me give you a little secret. There are thrift stores I know around where I live at in Ohio, and I, you know, I don't even buy clothes at the, at the grocery store anymore. There's no need for me. <laughs> There's quality clothes at the thrift store. And the, the only stipulation, which I don't care, is that they've been worn by someone else. But they're quality clothes. And so if, you're, if you lust for clothes, get clothes that's not going to cost you a lot of money, yet they're quality clothes. So I'm just giving you a little advice there. And he says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed as beautifully as one of these. This is how God clothes grass in the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Actually, me verse let me quote verse 28, verse 27. It says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? Verse 28 of Matthew chapter 6, and why be anxious about clothing? Think about the fields of wild irises and how they grow. They neither work nor spin thread. Yet I tell you that Solomon in all his glory was clothed as beautifully as one of these. Verse 30, if this is how God clothes grass in the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown in the oven, Won't he much more clothe you? What little trust you have. Verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6. Don't be anxious asking what will we eat, what will we drink, or how will we be clothed. Verse 32. For it is is the pagans who set their hearts on all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them all. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Put him first. And his righteousness, his commandments, and all these things will be given to you as well. He doesn't tell you when. But he promised to, to give you, uh, to all these things you're concerned about, food and clothes and whatever else, he's going to give those things to you. If you just learn how to trust him and suffer with him, suffer like the Messiah and put him first. And verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Okay, so these are words of wisdom. These are the words of God. And learn how to be happy by keeping the Torah. Keeping his commandments, caring about other people, which is a part of keeping the Torah, and, and, and fellowshipping with like-minded people. And if you, can't, if you don't have one in your local area, ask God, to, ask God to bring those people to you on a consistent basis and do the best you can to, to be happy and joyful by studying the Bible and praying and fasting. If you do those things, you will have true happiness. May God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace.
0: Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch.